0: I love America. It's been my home all my life. If you don't know, you don't know, the, past, know the past, you're only, you're doomed, only to repeat doomed to repeat it. it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your this country. country. This, is this is America. Join us in listening to some of history's Americas Best speeches created by Jar Codes Go back Go in time back in with time us, us. Right, now. right now on Public Access America. America. The story you are about to see is real and deeply concerns every American. Take an area the size of New England, shift it more than 10,000 miles away. Put dense jungles, high mountains, narrow coastal plains, large swamps, and a broad river delta on it. There you have the setting. Some 15 million people with ancient culture. 95% are lowlanders of northern origin, but intermingled with other immigrants from the surrounding areas. And the balance, highlanders of confused racial mixtures. There you have the cast. And the time is now. But what is America's part in this story? Perhaps we may find the answer in the ringing words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There is a mysterious cycle in human events. To some generation, much is given. Of other generations, much is expected. This generation of Americans has a rendezvous with destiny. And we have come to another rendezvous this time in Vietnam. The origin of this rendezvous is complex. It begins perhaps in 1863 when the first province of what is now Vietnam was annexed by France. Within 20 years, the whole of modern Vietnam had become a French protectorate. The urge for national independence, which never died, emerged in force towards the end of World War II, and the Communists took advantage of it. Thus, the returning French army found itself engaged in another war. But this was a war without front lines and to many soldiers, seemingly a war without end. But on May 7th, 1954, with the fall of Dien Bien Phu, the so-called Indochina War did come to an end, a termination which left the new nation divided between a communist North and an anti-communist South. As the military forces of the Communist North, the Viet Cong, began to infiltrate the South in ever-increasing numbers, the situation called for a major decision by the United States. Here was a government on our side, ruling a country with some of the world's richest rice fields and a strategic location affecting the whole of Southeast Asia. What began as a revolution for national independence had been converted into another battlefield of the Cold War through the coercive terror and false promises of communism. 1961 was the critical year. And our decision was that the anti-communist portion of Vietnam must get our full support. And so we came to Vietnam, Americans from the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marine Corps, and civilians too, to advise and assist the government of South Vietnam. We face a rugged environment harboring an invisible enemy. Swamps, mountain, and jungle provide the communist with an almost impregnable fortress. The native population, persuaded by false promises or stricken with terror, becomes the enemy's human shield. And too often the stolen fruits of their hard labor become the enemy's principal line of supply. This is a war being fought in fragments, an attack here, an ambush there, yet like a broken mirror, each fragment reflects the enemy's total plan, a war fought in the territory of our friends, the Vietnamese, with supplies and conscripts drawn from their own people to last as long as necessary to exhaust them from within, and then, when the time is right, a massive assault from without to furnish the coup de grace. What we are trying to do here is wrest back the initiative from the enemy. We must teach the Vietnamese to out-gorilla the guerrillas. With skills and tactics developed by United States Special Forces experts at Fort Bragg in the United States, Vietnamese Rangers now can match the enemy at his own game. terrain like this creates an enormous problem of communication. We are training the Vietnamese Signal Corps and equipping them with modern instruments, making it possible to maintain constant liaison between operating units and command posts. There are many here, Americans and Vietnamese, who believe that better communications are the key to the problem. Their improvement is gradually depriving the Viet Cong of opportunities to apply overwhelming force to isolated villages and outposts unable to summon help. Half a dozen of these small hamlets make up a strategic village, each of which will soon be equipped with its own two-way radio facilities. Improved communications are thus an important part of the plan to make every Vietnamese hamlet and village strategic. And by strategic, they mean capable of resisting armed attack. With speedy communication, retaliatory action against Viet Cong surprise attacks can be swift and pinpointed. of only limited usefulness in Vietnam, but their presence helps keep roads open and provides protection for convoys. Guerrilla wars have a habit of growing into full-scale national wars, While fighting the very different tactics of guerrillas, no new nation can afford to neglect the strategy and tactics of conventional warfare, an error which the Vietnamese are careful to avoid. The moment conventional science and tactics are neglected, Guerrillas with foreign-based communist sources of supply are quick to convert to full-scale modern warfare. To prevent this, the Vietnamese, with American advice and equipment, maintain a well-trained, well-equipped conventional force while dealing with the immediate problem of the elusive jungle-based guerrilla. The different types of terrain in Vietnam have made the war into three wars each has fought on its own terms. First, in the Mekong River Delta, south of Saigon. Second, on the high plateau and along the low coastal strips of central Vietnam. And third, in the jungles of northern mountains, which run into the area held by the Red Regime of Ho Chi Minh. The rich and fertile land of the Mekong Delta, is a flat country with 2500 miles of waterways criss-crossing vast tracts of rice paddies and mangrove swamps. American trained and equipped Vietnamese naval units patrol the canals and rivers to bring security to remote villages on broader waterways Larger and faster vessels are employed for such duty. The long coastline of Vietnam presents a standing invitation to communist infiltrators. The seas of Southeast Asia are alive with junks, any one of which may be attempting to land communist agents or supplies. An extensive junk fleet of its own is maintained by the government of Vietnam to intercept and inspect all suspicious vessels. The Vietnamese Navy, though small, is also equipped with fast modern naval vessels manned by well-trained crews. increasingly well-versed in United States military tactics coordinate their power and skill with land and air forces in attack and pursuit. The Vietnamese Air Force has been built up into sizable strength with American aid. Their fighters support ground actions and control the sky. Their transport craft drop troops and supplies to keep the Viet Cong on the run, to trap them in a net. of mobility has recently come into being. The increasing use of American transport helicopters has made the enemy reluctant to travel or attack in large numbers. With the elusive Viet Cong moving stealthily through the swamps from concealed bases, speed is of utter importance in tracking down the attackers. Helicopter operations depend for their success on close coordination between Vietnamese regular army personnel, local intelligence sources, and American pilots. American pilots and helicopters came into use in Vietnam as one part of the response to the hit-and-run tactics employed by guerrillas. The American's mission is not a combat mission, but one of transporting officers and fighting men of the Vietnamese army to places of sudden emergency. Often helicopters are used to lift hundreds of Vietnamese troops from their field headquarters to the scene of the crime. Is often a hazardous form of flying, but if remote villages are to be protected from guerrilla terrorists, it's a job which must be done. Communists can vanish by hiding in villages or submerging in canals with bamboo tubes in their mouths. Quick action has often resulted in their capture. Communist agents and guerrillas are adept at concealing themselves. Some remote villages are literally honeycombed with secret tunnels and concealed catches of arms and ammunition. Search may require many hours of careful detective work, with something new turning up every minute. Helicopters also deliver supplies to isolated defenders in their mountain redoubts. The helicopter makes possible the frequent rotation of men stationed in remote areas. And for men in lonely outposts, baskets of chickens, ducks and pigs dropped from heaven make all the difference between bare existence and a reasonable life. A most important function of helicopters and other aircraft is not only transport, but reconnaissance. For Viet Cong positions throughout the country must be continuously sought out and destroyed. In such probing operations, The casualties suffered by the Vietnamese have averaged only a fraction of those inflicted upon the enemy. As one American advisor has said, everywhere in Vietnam the main problem is mobility. As the Vietnamese civil guard becomes increasingly well-trained, They are able to free the regular forces for action in the field by taking over many of the static defense jobs. They guard bridges, rivers, and roads, and generally keep order and security in rear areas. In central Vietnam, nearly 40,000 square miles of sharp slopes and rugged mountains are some 10,000 square miles of flat farmland. Of it, none is more important than the central highlands. The Communist General Gyap has said, to seize and control the highlands is to solve the whole problem of South Vietnam. It is a region which has been the object of the furious and incessant communist attacks. Today however, American help in planning Vietnamese counter-offensives and an intensive program of psychological warfare to win the peasants has begun to slow the communist momentum. Americans are teaching both Vietnamese soldiers and volunteers from the villages techniques for patrolling surrounding jungles, flushing out the Viet Cong guerrillas before they can mount an attack. In the jungles of Vietnam, guerrillas do not depend entirely on smuggled or stolen weapons. Using local materials and primitive traps, they can make life extremely dangerous for the unwary traveler. Vietnamese and American advisors have initiated a vast program of relocation moving isolated tribes into specially constructed and protected strategic villages. The arguments are strong enough for the defenseless fall easy prey to communist terrorism. In the strategic villages, houses are enclosed by bamboo spikes and fields are cultivated under the protective eyes of armed colleagues. Such methods deter the communists from attack and make infiltration extremely difficult. These newcomers are being trained by teams of Vietnamese and Americans, both military and civilian, to both rule and defend themselves. As the word spreads, thousands of these mountain people come down voluntarily. They burn their old houses and bring with them their livestock and personal belongings because they are tired of Viet Cong extortion. Today, even a number of Viet Cong guerrillas, originally dragooned from the peasantry, have deserted and returned after learning that their homes are now secure against guerrilla terrorism. But security alone is not enough the people must also have something to live for, some expectation of a better life. So American advisors and the American-trained Vietnamese civic action teams are also involved in teaching such matters as hygiene and providing basic medical care. intelligence work, the eyes and ears of the mountain tribesmen are invaluable. As American Vietnamese teams win them over to active collaboration with the free world, the situation of the communist guerrillas becomes ever more precarious. Our largest effort, however, remains the technical military advice we give to troops in the field and to the faculty and students of Vietnam's excellent military schools and training centers. This is the Dalat Academy for Officers. In its four-year course, the cadets learn not only tactics, but also science, mathematics, and the humanities. The Nhatrang Naval Center, the fountainhead of the future Vietnamese Navy. The Nhatrang Air Training Center, for training pilots, navigators, and ground crews. command and general staff college for senior officers. Perhaps the American military assistance program will leave its permanent mark by helping in establishing modern military schools in this country. Through these schools, it would help the government weld a defense force capable of coupling security with welfare, of building a nation as well as defeating the enemy. What leads us to our rendezvous with destiny in Vietnam is our deep concern with friendly nations everywhere, whenever they face communist subversion and aggression. As they continue their fight, we also help them to build so that they will emerge out of their present struggle a strong and independent member of the free world. Hey, Petey, have you heard about this new podcast, Public Access America? You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and even the Stitcher Smart Radio app. It's so cool. Not good, not But are you a German spy? Because that sounds like technology. It's like that new thing, the radio, or a newspaper for your ears. You can even follow their production company, Jarcodes, on Twitter or Facebook and find all new episodes posted every day. Oh, that's cool. I don't care nothing about no planes, but I got to hear the latest episode of Public Access America now. Oh, watch the. You can even go to their YouTube channel at Public Access America and find great videos from our time! It's so cool! Go check out Public Access America!